Father, we thank you and honor you. We appreciate you dearly for the great love that you have for us. We're still learning about it. And the more we see it, the more it amazes us. And we thank you. Thank you for who you are, all that you are. Thank you once again for another opportunity to learn, to be transformed, to have our minds renewed. Thank you because we're not walking out of here like we came. Thank you because your word is alive and active. We give you praise. Thank you for everyone here present, everyone who listened to this teaching later. Thank you for everything. Thank you because our lives are better and better. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Praise God. Please be seated. Glory to God. Hallelujah. All right, good morning. I believe we're good. So it's, it's the first, um, first Sunday of a new month. And um, last, last month, first Sunday last month, um, the, the message was tilted more in the direction of spiritual growth, spiritual development, commitment, discipleship, and all. And then I said that every first Sunday, I'll move in that direction. Um, and, and this is why. Every time we come to church, there's something we, you know, maybe desire, want to learn, want to hear, and, and that's ideal. That's, you know, scripture. In the midst of all of that, um, the Lord is calling us up to growth. The Lord is calling us up to more. The Lord is saying, come up higher. You know, come up higher. So the first Sundays, maybe for the next, you know, three more months, maybe, and then we'll take a break and come back again. You know, we'll dedicate again to, to this. Just challenge everybody. Let's, let's do more. All right. Praise God. So we'll start with Colossians chapter 2, verse 6. We'll read it King James and then move over to the NLT. Colossians chapter 2 and then the 6th verse. We'll read 6 and then we'll read 7. All right. It says, as you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. And I want you to notice this. It says, as you have received. All right. As you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, walk in him. So it means I can receive but not walk in. So it says, as you have received, then walk. All right. We, we have, um, you know, Christians everywhere. But then we, I'm going to use just a typically general word. We have Christians everywhere, but we don't have revival everywhere. We have Christians everywhere, but we don't have impact everywhere. We have Christians everywhere, and then things still happen. You know, like, like there's no church. There are no Christians. There are no disciples. So Paul is challenging them, and he's saying, hey, as you have received Christ Jesus, walk in him. So there is a receiving, and then there is a walking in. Somebody say walk. All right. So there's a receiving, there's a walking. Verse 7. It now describes how it is. It says, rooted and built up, and I like the next word, established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding therein in thanksgiving. So I'm asking you to 
walk in him but now i'm explaining better how the walk should be um so because you're in christ they need to be rooted in him all right don't just be rooted and they need to be built up um many times we want to be built up but if it's not rooted it can be well built all right every house every enduring substance all right can't just be built it has to first of all be rooted it goes in deep and then it comes up it goes in deep and then it comes up it goes in deep you know um some sometimes the the level of um christianity in court that we're exposed to all right determines or um yeah determines the amount of depth and there has to be depth um we, we need to move away from convenient christianity and sometimes that's what we get it's just convenient so when it is convenient i'm there and then when it's not convenient then i'm not there and then nowadays it's just social media christianity all right um our t-shirts could be born again our posts could be born again but then that that's the end of it all right um you know some i, I was sharing some time ago and i said you know some people are too quick to say everything on social media <laughs> You go to the gym, the very first day you enter the gym, you posted and wrote, bodily exercise profited in a little. Let's get, it was your first day. You've not done consistently like one month or three months. It was just your first day and some of them they end up going back again, you know, <laughs> because you overblew it. But the, the, you know, the other part is even sometimes what God just shared with you in your early morning devotion, he didn't ask you to put it on your WhatsApp status. It was for you. And then we're just quick to, it will bless someone. He knows it will bless somebody, but it was for you. That, I must get it out. Everything is not out. Everything is not out. I've not thought half of the things I know yet. Because some of them, I'm still chewing on them for five years. Some are crazy to me. Some are like, no. Sometimes I now hear a preacher teach it. I show my wife my note. and like, this is, yeah, see, you know, and, one big preacher, I like if I say that thing, they'll say I'm crazy. But someone just did it. I'm like, that means I'm correct. It's, it's, it's here. You know, because it's, it's not about the flaunting, it's about the depth. You know, and when, the, and when we're not well rooted, we could be easily swayed, easily moved because we're not grounded. So there's a grounding, there's a rooting. So it says you need to be rooted in Christ and then built up. And established in the faith. Sometimes people, you know, um, it's that formula Christianity. I've seen people quit church and you ask them why they say, I, I prayed about something and I didn't get it. I'm like, seriously? Say, yeah, God disappointed me. Nah, you're not established <laughs> as you should be. You know, there's an establishing. There's, there's an establishing in the faith. There's an establishing, and the, the, the more we get into this, the better. It says, as you've been taught, so people need to be taught. Let's do NLT, um, 6 and 7. Okay, um, note of warning. We're reading a whole lot of Bible passages today. All right, thank you. <laughs> a whole lot. All right, NLT. And now, just as you have accepted 
Christ Jesus, note this one, as your Lord. You must what? Continue to live in obedience to him. And I'm going to break this down a little bit because we know him as, you know, people get to say, um, confess Jesus as your Lord and Savior. So for most people, he's actually Savior, but not yet Lord. Lord is commander. Lord is ruler. Lord is captain. You got to get this. All right, you will. Let's, let's follow, please. As, oh, let, let's go back there again. As you have, you know, and now just as you have accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to live in obedience to him. Next verse, please. All right. Let your roots, what? Grow down into him and draw up nourishment from him so that you will grow in faith, strong and vigorous in the truth you were taught. Let your lives overflow with thanks even for all he's done. So if you are taught, but then you don't grow deep in the truth of it, it will look like you really didn't learn anything. So there's that going deep. All right. So it says you've, you've received him as Lord. So question is, who is Lord? Lord is master. Lord is captain. Lord is ruler. Lord is owner. Lord is commander. So if, if I say he's my savior and Lord, it means number one, he saved me. We all don't have a problem with that. Number two, he commands me. If Jesus is your Lord, then he means he's your commander. It means you could have told a friend you're coming to that party and he says, sit down. And you sit down because that is your Lord. And then someone offended you, you really got mad and he says, you, go and say sorry. I say, Lord, I really don't want to do that. He says, you, say sorry. That's your Lord. Is your commander. Someone say, well, thank God. He hasn't said anything to me lately. If you read your Bible, then he says a lot in the Bible because the word of God is God speaking to you. All right? So it's going to be tough. It's discipleship. I told us, those of us here last month, that we're getting deeper in this thing. All right? I'm warming us up. We're going to get deeper. Because that's how it's going to be. Listen. Um, my, my assignment here in the city as led by God, all right, Number one is that there is a move of God brewing in this city, all right? And I find a privilege to be a part of it. Something's about to happen. Something's happening. Something's brewing in the spiritual atmosphere in this city. Uh, so there's going to be an awakening, all right? And for that, there to be that awakening the way it should be, then disciples have to be raised. That's, that's the only way, all right? So that's what I was hinting us for those of us here last month. And then I was saying that we're going to get deeper into some stuff, um, we're going to get the point. So, all right. So, so he, he's, he's Lord. Say he's my Lord. All right. But you have to understand the meaning of Lord. It means he's my commander. All right. He's my leader. In Romans 10, verse 9. Let, let's see Romans 10. It's just a regular confession, you know, get born again kind of confession. Romans 10, 9. Hallelujah. It says, if you confess with your mouth that what? Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So I'm sure at some point, almost everyone here said, Jesus, you are Lord. And then if he is, you could get a great job and he says, you're not taking that job. You're like, what? 
because you're not taking that job. You're like, okay, yes, sir, I am not taking that job. Say, Jesus is my Lord. You have to believe this. Well, <laughs> you already say it. You have to know what it means. Jesus is my Lord. You know? Oh, I've had times. I've had times that I got great gifts. Great gifts. You know when you get a gift and you're happy you got a gift, and you're so happy like you got a gift that you were happy that you got the gift, all right? You got the point of the gist. And then you just know in your heart, not for you. You're giving somebody else. Like, okay. He's my Lord. So not for him, sir. I do it. He's your Lord. One of the closest men to Jesus in his earth work, John the Beloved, he was the one that put his head, you know, on the bosom of Jesus, on his breast when they were talking. It was a pal. Even when Jesus said, one of you will betray me, it was one Peter said to, you know, ask him who will betray him. And John, you know, asked. John was like Jesus' baby. They were close. In fact, John always bragged and called himself, I'm the one that Jesus loved, you know. He bragged about it. Even when Jesus hung on the cross, he said, Mother, behold your son, son, behold your mother. And that was John. Was, I mean, he had brothers, but I was telling John, that's my mama, man. You're my mama, your mama, take her away. This is John. He knew Jesus. When Jesus resurrected from the dead, and Peter said, let's go out fishing, and they were busy fishing, and then Jesus had made breakfast for them. In an, <laughs> you know, he appeared to them. John was the one that recognized him. John said, it is the master. John knew him. Well, let's see Revelation chapter 1 from verse 1. The same John. He knew Jesus, walked with Jesus, rode with Jesus. This is a revelation from Jesus Christ, which gave him concerning the events that will happen soon. An angel was sent to God's servant, John, so that John could share the revelation with God's other servants. All right? John faithfully reported the word of God, the testimony of Jesus Christ, everything he saw. Okay, God blesses the one who reads this prophecy to the church and blesses all those who listen to it and obey what it says for the time is near when these things will happen. All right, this is a letter from John. I mean, just flow, enjoy from the beginning. All right, to the seven churches and province of Asia, grace and peace from the one who is, who always was, and who is still to come from the sevenfold spirit before his throne. And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness to these things, the first to rise from the dead, and the commander, commander of all the rulers of the world, all praise to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by shedding his own blood for us. He was made into, I mean, he has made us, rather, into king's priests. We saw that last week. Before his father, God, to him everlasting glory forever and ever. Amen. Look, he comes with the clouds of heaven. And everyone will see him, even those who pierced him, and all the nations of the earth will weep before him. Yes, amen. Let, let's go on. I am the Alpha Omega, beginning the end, says the Lord, I am the one. Just for reading a lot today. <laughs> who was, who is, and who is still to come, Almighty One. All right, let's go. I am John, your brother. In Jesus, we are partners, you know, in suffering, in the kingdom, in patient endurance. I was exiled, all right, to the island of Patmos for preaching the word of God. All right, speaking about Jesus. So he was banished. He's explaining it. Now watch this. All right, so John, that explained. I, I need to read more, explain less. He, he has to explain himself more. All right. It was a Lord's day, all right? I was worshiping in the spirit, and suddenly I heard 
a loud voice behind me, a voice that sounded like a trumpet blast. It said, write down what you see and send it to the seven churches, you know, Ephesus, Simea, Pagamon, Teratira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. When I turned to see, now watch this. When I turned to see who was speaking to me, I saw seven gold lampstands, okay? And standing in the middle of the lampstand was who? The Son of Man. He was wearing a long white robe with gold sash across his chest. His head and his hair were white like wool, as white as snow. His eyes were bright like flames of fire. His feet were bright as bronze, refined in furnace. And his voice thundered like many ocean waves. He held seven stars in his right hand. Sharp two-edged sword came from his mouth. His face was as bright as the sun in all its brilliance. When I saw him, what happened to the guy? I fainted. This is the same Jesus I rode with for three years plus. This is a different man. It's the same Jesus I rode with. Now I'm seeing a different side of him. And there's that revelation that God grants us, either by, you know, usually, basically, scripture, in a place of worship and prayer. I'll go ahead of myself a little bit. I'll, I'll backtrack quickly. The same one who loves us, cares for us, provides for us. Watch this. He gives us assignments. And one day is the same one that will not sit on the throne and say, what did you do with it? I'm like, but it's the same one. What did you do with it? What did you do with it? If half of the Christians in London, Ontario knew what they should know about discipleship, we'll shake this place up. Everywhere is too small. The church is too big. But we're just too distracted. <laughs> That's all. We're just too distracted. This, this here touches my heart because it's the same John. The same one who could lean on him and like, talk to him, Jesus, how are you doing? The same guy suddenly sees him again and guess what happens? He faints. Do you understand that? He sees the same person again and he just collapses like, oh my goodness. He says, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead, but he laid his right hand on me and said, don't be what? Afraid. Meaning the man was what? Afraid. <laughs> like, ah! But it's the same Jesus. Oh, glory to God. <laughs> You know, I was reading the Ken Hagen material, you know, a number of years back. I talked about when he saw Jesus. I said, I said, I'm unworthy. I'm unworthy. You know, he said, because the, the brightness of that presence, that countenance, that, the way you feel. And then you would understand how Isaiah felt. When Isaiah said, woe is me. Because you see, you see brightness, you see glory. You're like, this is great. Now, when, when in Christ Jesus, watch this, because as he is, so are we, Bible calls us partakers of that glory. So this gives us an example of what we might look like in the spirit realm. 
But this is showing a picture of who the Lord is. This is the Lord. This is the one someday whom I'm going to stand in front of him and say, I did it. I finished it. But I can't say I did or finished what I never even found out about. All right? We'll get there in a minute. So it's first Sunday, so it's like, let's call it Discipleship Sunday. All right? I think we just call that that. First Sunday, Discipleship Sunday. We did that a bit last, last month. But first Sunday, I just want to challenge us. Because, you know, God is raising his army, right? So we need to talk about, talk about what God is doing. So what does the Lord want? Matthew 4 from 18. We'll read all those ones quickly. Let's see how fast we can move. Matthew 4 from 18. All right. One day Jesus was walking along the shore beside the sea of Galilee. He saw two brothers, Simon, all right, also called Peter, and Andrew fishing with a net, all right, for they were commercial fishermen. Jesus called out to them, all right, come be what? My disciples, and I'll show you how to fish for men. This regularly in King James, he was just simply saying, follow me. All right, let's, let's go. And they left their nets at once and went with him, okay, and a little further up the shore, he saw two brothers, James and John, sitting on a boat with their father, ZBD, mending, and he called them to come too. So Jesus is basically saying, follow me. Follow me. And if he's your Lord, what are you supposed to do? Follow. Follow. All right. Now, they didn't have a revelation of lordship and all that here. He just began assignment with them. But he's saying, follow me. Because the, the, the whole essence is, is discipleship. And discipleship means training. A disciple is a student. All right? So you find um, the Asians understanding this a lot more. Maybe if um, I'm, I'm, I'm in a particular person's Kung Fu school, I know that I'm a disciple of XYZ Kung Fu master. So even if I meet with you, okay, who is your master? Who, you know, and then... Because I'm trained under him. I'm his student. So I am disciplined under this person. So Jesus is saying, hey, you have to be disciples. All right? You, you have to be raised. You have to be changed. Which is, means you actually kind of lose yourself and then you follow him. Matthew 9 and 9. Matthew 9 and 9. And Jesus was going down the road. He saw Matthew sitting at the tax collection booth. Come be my disciple, Jesus said to him. And Matthew got up and followed him. All right, he said to him, no, just, just that. All right, be, be my disciple. This guy was busy working. You know, sometimes you feel, but Jesus, you should understand I'm busy. You're like, nah. <laughs> but I love something I've seen all through scripture God doesn't seem to give more to people who are doing nothing. Everybody was busy doing something. Everybody was busy. Everybody was busy. All right? Everybody was busy. And like Gloria Copeland, you know, said many years ago, if you're too busy for God, you're too busy. He's number one. He's Lord. Lord is, you know, primus, prime, all right? 
He's number one. He's, he's the boss. So he says, follow. Matthew says, okay. I, I follow. I drop what I'm doing and, you know, follow him. But discipleship costs. There's a reward for it, but there's a cost for it. Matthew 8 from 18. Let's see how fast we read down. Matthew 8 from 18. When Jesus noticed how large the crowd was growing, he instructed his disciples. So you have to notice crowd is different from disciple. And, I'm, you know, we did this circle thing I showed us last month. I'm going to show us again this morning. So there will be crowd. You know, this church will keep getting larger and larger. After a while, this place will become too small. Keep growing and growing and growing and growing. But everybody in the crowd is not a member. There would always be the crowd. Jesus had a crowd, but everyone in the crowd was not a member. All right? So if eventually some might say, oh, but I'm a member of the church. And what the person is just saying is, I go there. <laughs> All right? A member member would understand it before we're done this morning. Because there would always be a crowd. So Jesus had a crowd. All right? So when Jesus noticed how large the crowd was growing, he instructed his disciples, cross over to the other side of the lake. Next verse, please. Then one of the teachers of the religious law said to him, Teacher, I'll follow you no matter where you go. All right, let's, let's see. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have dens to live in, birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no home of my own, not even a place to lay my head. Now this, so people pick that and say, he, he didn't have a house, so you're sleeping anywhere. If you study, he had a base which was Capernaum. And then usually King James will say when it was at the house and all. So there, but the context here also is we are so much on a mission that the day with the day ends, however the day ends. All right. So it's it's not a life of convenience. It's not a life of um. You gotta get this. Please tell me, tell me. All right. It's, it's not a life of convenience and all that. The day will end because sometimes people have asked, how come Jesus didn't have women? You know, in the 12 disciples. <laughs> the rigor of their ministry will be too harsh for them. That time Jesus walked on water was middle of the night. Middle of the night. Listen, these men live that kind of life that was not based on convenience. Wasn't based on convenience. So when he said foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, don't forget in Matthew chapter 7, the Bible said Jesus entered the house of Peter and healed Peter's mother-in-law. So they had houses. But they couldn't sleep there every night. But they had houses. Huh? So, I could scoot three of you right in front, please. Hope you don't mind. So, the ushers could use that middle line or... So, I don't scoot everybody. Just You left your stuff. <laughs> Thank you. You know, so, I mean... Foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but, you know, some of them have no place to live, you know. So context, we put it in context. All right, next verse. Then another one, I mean, this one was blunt. <laughs> it was like someone tweeted and Jesus just, you know, people say that Twitter is not a nice place, right? <laughs> you know, you tweet and then they just tweet back harshly to you. So this kind of like reads like a tweet, all right? And another one <laughs> of his disciples said, of his disciples said, Lord, let me first return home and bury my father. And Jesus tweeted back. Let's see. Just told him, follow me now. Let those who are spiritually dead care for their own dead. King James was harsher. Let the dead bury their dead. What? 
My daddy just died. Let the dead bury their dead. And I've come to study scripture and realize that there's the Lord side of Jesus Christ. And it's not always nice. And nice is not a fruit of the Spirit. Anybody get that? <laughs> it's firm. It's firm. Guys, I, I said it you know, some months back, that love is not weak. Love is not petty. Love is not... <laughs> it's not Bollywood. You know, always singing when you're happy. No. Bible says there's no greater love for a man to lay down his life for a friend. His own love drove him up a tree and they nailed him there. Bible said that's love. That is fierce. That's fierce. That's not, um, that's not entertaining. Most of us define love by what I feel like doing. What feels good to me. Love is not feel good. It's a commitment. That even when the feelings are gone, you're committed. That's how fierce it is. It's fierce. And that's the kind of love Jesus expressed. So he said to the guy, I mean, let, let the dead bury their dead. This sounds like what? Let's go further a little more. And, you know, when he entered into the ship, his disciples followed him. So he had disciples, he had a crowd. And behold, there arose a great tempest. Watch this. In so much that the ship was covered with waves, but he was what? Asleep. And his disciples came to him and they awoke him saying, save us, we perish. King James again said, don't you care that we perish? And I want you to see something. There are experiences that the crowd and the multitude will never have with him. His only disciples. I don't know if anybody got what I just said. They are now the ones in the inner chamber. They are the ones that can experience what nobody else is experiencing. They are the ones that see what nobody else is seeing. But let me, let me fast track all of that. So, if, hope you don't mind. Say multitude. Okay, say crowd. crowd. Say, say crowd. crowd. All right. Then say disciples. disciples. There, there were two different groups. But even with the disciples, we had categories. We had the 70, for instance. Let's see Luke chapter, Luke 10 from verse 1. After these things, the Lord appointed other 70 also and sent them two by two before his face into every city and place where he will go. So 70 guys, he sent them out two by two. Let's see Luke chapter 9 verse 1. Then he called his 12 disciples together, gave them power and authority over devils, you know, to cure diseases. So we have the multitude. Then we have the disciples. Multitude. Then we have disciples. Those ones are crowd. But then we have these guys here. But even amongst these guys here, there are levels of depth. Levels of depth. Once again, if you're wondering why kind of message like it's discipleship Sunday. That's a simple way I'll call it. And every first Sunday, you gotta be in church <laughs> so that we can do this thing together. So even with the disciples, there are depths. 
They are depths. They are depths. They are depths. So there were the 70. We have the 12. I'm sure you know that. And I know you know the next one. We had the three guys. There was something special about those three. What? Why? You know, well, there was just something about them. But let me show you something about the 12. John 18, verse 2. When everybody's done, when everybody's gone, and Judas also, which betrayed him, knew the place, you know, why? Jesus oftentimes resorted there. So they had like hangouts. That's the garden, all right? Where Jesus, Judas came in with the soldiers. Judas knew. Where would he be right now? Uh, we're hanging out. This is, this is um, what now? Date night Tuesday or movie night Friday or something. So this is so we know where we used to hang out. That's how Peter could find him. But Peter still had to, I mean, but Judas rather. And Judas still had to identify him with a kiss. Maybe the man always knew how to just blend with everybody. He could relate. He could roll. He could flow. So the crowd would never understand what the disciples understood. The crowd heard the major message and they went back home saying they were blessed. But then the disciples would get the gist of what the message was really about. Mark chapter 4 verse 10. Mark 14. So he told the parable of the sower right here. And then after he told the parable, the Bible said when he was alone, they that were with him together with the twelve asked him, tell us, we, we didn't get it. And that's one of the benefits of discipleship. That's one of the things they enjoyed. They could understand something nobody else could. They could go further. And listen, all Jesus said then of the major part of what he said then, guys, is still what he's saying today. In King James, two words. Follow me. Two words. I know you have things to do. I know you have a life. I know. But he said it then. He's still saying it today. Follow me. Follow me. No, no matter how great a life we want to live, I've come to realize he always has something better. Something better in store, something better in his heart, something better, better, better. And, and following Jesus is not always, you know, it doesn't even naturally mean, you know, you have to abandon a nine to five. Well, everybody doesn't do nine to five like nine, but you understand what I mean? It, it just means your heart is connected to his leadership and then you are committed to following him no matter what. Tell us something about these three. Mark 5 and 35. In Mark chapter 5, Jairus met Jesus and said, Hey, my daughter is sick at the point of death. Then the woman with the issue of blood, like we call her, showed up. She got healed. Then 35th verse of Mark 5. While he spake, there came from the ruler of synagogue's house, certain which said, Your daughter is dead. Why do you trouble the master any further? So the case has now moved from bad to worse, to gone. As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said unto the ruler of the synagogue, don't be afraid, only believe. Watch this. And he suffered. That means he did not allow any man to follow him except who? Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. So this is now a mission where Jesus is about to 
Change the life of a girl around, basically, typically, literally. She's dead. She has to come back to life. And Jesus says, I need three guys that can handle that atmosphere with me. I want you to hear what I'm saying, please. Jesus said, I need three guys that can handle this atmosphere. Don't forget, when he got there, some people were crying. He said the girl is sleeping, you know. They laughed at him. He bounced everybody out. Because Jesus was particular about the atmosphere. Was particular about the environment. He didn't want any doubt. He didn't want any unbelief. He wanted an environment of faith around him. And only three people could walk into that environment. Peter, James, John. Matthew, I mean Mark, rather, 13, 1 to 4. Mark 13, 1 to 4. Mark 13, 1 to 4. All right. Say, Jesus is my Lord. Say it, say it loud. Say, Jesus is my Lord. Could do one more time. Jesus is my Lord. I'm his disciple. I'm his follower. All right. It says, and he went out of the temple, and one of his disciples said unto him, Master, all right, see the man of stones. Yes, 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 yes. See the man of stones and what building they have here. Next verse. And just answering, said to him, see these stones, all right, this great building, there shall not be any stone left on top of it. They will be thrown down. All right, let's go. Watch this. And as he sat down on the mountain of olives over against temple, watch the names again. Peter, James, John, Andrew, fourth name, asked him privately. Andrew, a different complete story of another day or for another day. All right. So, Not the 12 now. We find 3 plus 1. They came to ask. Explain. My point is, the the deeper you follow, the more revelation and depth of information you have access to. It will cost us. So the question is, do we want to stay with the crowd? Do we want to go deeper there? It will cost us. It will cost us. It will cost us our reputation. If you're the type that always like to fight for yourself, it will cost you. Because Jesus said, if anybody would be my disciple, needs to deny himself, take up his cross. It means it will cost you. It will cost you. But let me say this. There's never anything, and there's not, and we'll read that quickly, there's nothing you could ever leave for him that would never pay you more than that in return. You can never outgive God. You can never outgive God. In, in Mark chapter 10, we find a case where maybe we should read Mark 10. I want us to read Mark 10. Hmm. Okay, we could make it. Let's read Mark 10. Mark, I'll pick you from 17. Maybe NLT still. Mark 10, 17. And when he was, all right, all right, all right, great, yeah. And he was, as he was starting out on a trip, I, li- I like this story. Excuse me. As he was starting out on a trip, a man came, I want you to picture this. 
a man came running up to Jesus. The man knelt down and asked him, good teacher, what would I do to get eternal life? Could you picture it? Someone is going and there, hey, 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 stop the car, stop the car. You will think he has something important to ask you and then whatever you tell him, he's going to do it. The guy ran. Stop the car, stop, stop, stop the car. All right, it wasn't car, but you got the point. All right, a man came and then Jesus said, why do you call me good? Only God is good. Don't be fooled by that trick. Jesus is God. Jesus and God are one. He was communicating a point. Talk for another day. Let's go. But as for your question, you know the commandments. All right? Don't murder. Don't commit adultery. Don't steal. Don't testify falsely. Don't cheat. You know, I'm sure as Jesus was talking, the guy was adjusting his collar, streaming his beards. Go on, go on. <laughs> don't testify falsely. Don't cheat. How my father and your mother? Let's see. Teacher, the man replied. What did he say? Oh, come on now. <laughs> uh, I thought you had a revelation for me, bro. <laughs> uh, uh, I thought you had something deep to share with me. I'm disappointed. I've done all these things. I was like, child, tell me something new. And Jesus said, you asked for it. Let's go. Jesus felt genuine love. For this man, as he looked at him, hmm, you want to hear it. You lack one thing, he told him. Go, sell all you have. Give the money to the poor. You're going to have a treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. Next verse. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sadly because he had many possessions. See the contrast between how he came and how he left. Someone running after you. Stop the car! Stop the car! Stop the car! Now goes, and they have to play sorrowful music. <laughs> and then, what did you hear? Sell everything. You know, someone says, oh, that means, you know, no, the, Jesus looked at him, don't forget, and loved him. This guy didn't have money. Money had him. That was what's going on here. He didn't have possessions in that sense. The possessions were in control of him. One of the things that giving does to us is it breaks covetousness. Even when God sometimes doesn't instruct you, do it to yourself. Give something you're becoming addicted to. It deals with covetousness. God gave Abraham Isaac, right? And then God said, that's the guy I want. So that you will not eventually worship the thing that gave you more than me that gave it to you. And many people need to learn that. Oh, I've seen, I've seen, I've seen. I mean, I pastored a bit. I've seen. Someone comes to church, working in church, just volunteering. I just want to volunteer wherever you can find me in church. Wherever I can find I just want to volunteer in church. But he wants a job. So pastor prays with him, lays hands on him, everything. I just want a job. I want a job. The guy gets a job. You don't see him in church anymore. Midweek service, Sunday service, he doesn't have time for the... Before that, you want to clean, he's cleaning. You want to sweep, you want to... Whatever is there, then he gets the job. Then he buys the car. Then he, then he became one of the... As, in, as I'm talking, I can flash. But that's them. That's their lives. It's fine. God never wants us to worship the gift more than the giver of the gift. 
Did you get that? You never worship the gift more than the giver of the gift. He gave us everything. And you have to let him know that, Lord, that can't control me. You are my Lord. The man's face fell and he, he went. He was sorrowful because, but the way he ran, I thought he would do whatever Jesus told him to do. But wasn't ready for the truth. Some Bible scholars say anyway that this now became Barnabas in the book of Acts that now gave all his possessions to the church and all. All right? Possibly possible. But let's... uh, So Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard it is for rich people to get into the kingdom of God. Once again, Jesus doesn't have a problem with rich people, okay? Let's keep going. This amazed them. (laughs) But Jesus said again, dear children, it's very hard to get the rich into the kingdom of God. It's not about the rich, it's the control of the wealth. All right? I mean, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for the rich person to enter, you know, (laughs) the kingdom of God. Disciples were astonished. Then, who in the world can be saved? That means a number of people around them had something, so who's going to make it? Jesus looked at them intently and said, humanly speaking, this is impossible with God. It's possible. You can have prosperity and be a kingdom addict. The only way it's possible is when you understand the purpose of prosperity. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 18 says, You remember the Lord your God, for it is he that gives you the power to get the wealth so that he may establish his covenant. So that he establishes covenant. A preacher many years ago went to a hotel. He, had a, he was attending a conference, turned on the TV, and then was Playboy. Change the channel, Playboy. Change the channel, Playboy. Change the channel, Playboy. So he called the reception and said, can I watch something healthy? It's Playboy everywhere. I turned. They said, Playboy has bought the rights for the weekend. Do we know the purpose of prosperity? These guys use their money to pay for policies. They lobby for policies. They use their money. But what do we do with our money? We don't put our money into kingdom. We just enjoy our money. And quote, God gave us everything to enjoy. Yes, but what's the purpose of the prosperity? It's for kingdom. If not, we wake up every morning, wake up every day, and all we're doing every time is just making more money to settle ourselves. No kingdom. But some guy out there will sponsor Al-Qaeda. Some guy out there is sponsoring ISIS. Some guy out there is voting some percentage of his business income. To sponsor something out there. Some guy out there is building a new strip club. Some guy out there is looking for how to push more drugs into kids in high school. Some guy out there, some guy out there is looking for how to abduct young girls and make them prostitutes and build more porn sites. Some guy out there is using money to do something. And we just enjoy it. Then we wonder what's going on in our world today. It's not hard to find. They understand why they have money. We just enjoy money. It's kingdom. It's kingdom. It's money on a mission. So it is possible to be prosperous and to be a radical kingdom addict. It's possible. 
I mean, see the influence of TikTok. See the influence of every challenge. Even Christians are doing challenge with them. And I'm like, what are you doing there? How do I know a new song? Because I'm on a Christian's page and I hear one song. I'm like, this is a new song. Content doesn't sound good. I have ears for music. I mean, I like songs. I... Yeah, this is not good. I know it's a new song. And then we're doing everything they're doing. There was one, was it Silhouette, Silhouette Challenge back then? How many sisters in the body of Christ were doing Silhouette Challenge? Now everybody's trying to drop something. <laughs> and they're like, they come up with something and we have to do it. It means they are influencing us. What happened to us? What happened to us? What happened to us? And they will keep using their money to push policies. And they'll keep using their money to push agendas. I mean, when, when, when they put in a politician there, then the politician has to do what they say. What's happening to us? Where is our money going to? We're busy running around nine to five and trying to pay for homes and cars and everything. That's the end. And just entertain ourselves. People are fighting Disney now, in case some of you don't know. Because of the agenda they are trying to push. Even the governor of their state is fighting them because he doesn't like the agenda. But it's money, money talk. Yeah? Money talks. Money has money has power. Money is power. And we have a lot of rich Christians. A whole lot of rich Christians. But like we don't have an agenda. We just want to enjoy life. One day we're going to stand before him face to face, guys. And we're going to answer that question. What did you do? What did you do, okay? It's Discipleship Sunday. Just just grab your seat, all right? It's a funky service this morning. Are you feeling funky? You're enjoying the... Uh-huh, great. Say, woo! <laughs> all right, well, it's Sunday, all right? These things must be taught. Listen, they, they, they pick kids and train them to be suicide bombers from childhood. And it's so amazing. They are not sending you to kill people. You will die with the people and you are happy. They train them. And they are ready to die. And one usher did not put somebody where the person wanted to sit in church and the person had not come to church again. They are training someone else to die. 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 Like die. Die with bump. Die. Inside car. Die. Die anywhere. In the plane. Die. They are ready to die. You usher just did not put you where you wanted to sit and you got mad. You are not ready. <laughs> you are kidding. You are kidding. Like you are kidding. Too many petty issues in the church. Too, too many petty, petty. They're like, people are dying. People are ready, like, let me, let me. They said, there are 70 babes waiting for me. Let me, let me die. These are ready to die. We, we, we take it easy. You know, say, our Mount Jesus, he's, he's an easy Jesus. Not the one John saw in Revelation 1. 
Have you read the letters he wrote to the seven churches? Tell those guys, I'll pull out their candle. Ah, Jesus. That's Jesus. He's Lord. He's Lord. He's love. None of us parents here will give our kids ice cream every night at 3 a.m. Love is not spoiling a brat. That's not love. So the love Jesus has for us is not to spoil us. He took our place so that we can take his place. How are we going to do that if it's always convenient? This is discipleship. And that's what he said in Matthew 28. Go into all the world and make disciples. What we've done is we've made church goers. So churches are packed on Sunday mornings, but they're not disciples. Disciple means they're trained. It's tough, guys. It's tough. Discipleship is, is now okay. Don't be scared. Oh, he said it's tough. I, I thought Tommy said we said that was easy. You're not going to do discipleship by your own strength. You're going to do discipleship. J- Jeremiah three, and then let's start putting this up. I have a lot of scriptures. Right, we'll try and. I mean, we have every month, one Sunday every month. But we're kicking off a series from tomorrow. Well, it begins today, spiritual growth. All right. Uh, verse 15. Jeremiah 3, 15. Thank you. Um, King James. I want to use the exact, the King James used the word there, so I want to use that word. Thank you. It says, and I will give you pastors according to my heart who will feed you with knowledge and understanding. And it will come to pass when you will be multiplied and increasing the land in those days, says the Lord. They will say no more the ark of the covenant. Neither will it come to mind. Nobody will remember the ark anymore. Neither shall they remember it. Neither shall they visit it. Neither shall anything be done about it anymore. Why would they not think about the ark anymore? Because each person has been effectively trained to be a solid person. So you are now representing him instead of him looking for an ark. So he says, I'll give you pastors who will feed you. All right? Feed. When Jesus met with Peter after his resurrection, he asked him three times, do you love me? And each time Peter answered, Jesus said, feed my sheep. Feed my lamb. Feed my sheep. Do you love me? So my role as a pastor is to feed. My role as a pastor is to teach. My role as a pastor is to equip us. Your role is to respond to the feeding, respond to the teaching, and then to grow. Ephesians chapter 4 from verse 11. Ephesians 4 from 11. You know, we'll, we'll do a calculation. So the, the, the disciples, the 12 particularly, they were with Jesus for the space of his ministry, which is calculated to be about three and a half years. So we're going to do a calculation. Some of you are easy with math, so you might help out. If you want to use your phone, no problem. So let's just say, let's say, let's say the men, those men spent 10 hours every day with Jesus. 10 hours, because this is it. He picked fishermen, tax collectors. I mean, he didn't go to the Bible school of the day. He didn't go to the Pharisees and all to pick people. He picked regular Jews. And after three and a half years, there were guys that were going to change the whole world. 
How do you do that? So let's assume they spent 10 hours every day. They didn't. But let's say they spent 10 hours every day with him. And there are 365 days in a year. But let's just say they just spent 10 hours a day for 300 days. Just to make the math easy. All right. So 10 times 300 will give us 3,000. So let's say they now were with him for three years, not three and a half. Just to make the maths easy again. So three years times 3,000 will give us 9,000. So they spend 9,000 hours with Jesus, teaching, training, learning, hands-on, and impartations. 9,000 hours. So let's say somebody comes to church once a week, Sunday, you know. Now, some of you do. It's okay. No problem. I'm not, don't, no, it's just, I still need to teach it. It's my notes, all right? If it was only one person sitting in front of me right now, I'll teach it. It's just a note. It's our first Sunday. So someone comes to church one Sunday a month, and let's say it's a two-hour service. It's not, but let's say it's a two-hour service, and the person only comes 50 times. Instead of 52, let's Christmas and New Year holiday, bye-bye. All right. Um, 50 Sundays times two gives us 100. So 100 divided by 9,000. What I mean is, how many hours would that person need, or how many years would the person need, rather, to catch up with the 9,000 hours disciples spent with Jesus Christ? 90. 90 years. We'll be gone, right? If you do two hours every Sunday, 90 years, to catch up with the impact and impartation of three years in those men. 90 years. And guess what? I've never read a book before. And I started from chapter one and you got reading, then you stopped, maybe chapter two. Then it took like a two-week break. You know, sometimes you don't remember what you read from the beginning. And if you're sincere, you might have to go back Again, and then start out. Anybody been there? Yeah, you know? So by the time you <laughs> hear two hours on Sunday, and then we don't know what else you might hear next, during the week, but I'm sure you're trying to hear something great with your Bible and all. Then come again next Sunday, then come again next Sunday, then come again next Sunday. It will take us a long time. It will take us a long time. So, now in the school of discipleship, more time is needed. We need to spend more time. And I'm saying this to say, he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. So I function more in three. Pastor, teacher, I have an apostolic assignment. All right. So, but, I mean, we have different callings, all right? It, it says the reason he gave those ones, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the body to be edified. So my job is to perfect the saints that you am still being perfected also, all right, so that you will do the work of ministry, not me. It's um, NLT. Let's simplify. I think NIV, actually. NIV. NIV. Let's do NIV. All right. To equip God's people for works of service. So my job is to equip you. You do the work of service. I'm doing the work of service. We're all doing, but I equip you to do it. So that the body of Christ may be edified. Verse, verse 13. That's the only way we're going to reach Unity in the faith, in the knowledge of the Son of God, and become mature, attaining to the whole measure. So, so, so at the end of the day, the purpose of every Christian is this verse here. I, I, could, be, I could be the guy with the mic every Sunday. I'm the pastor, but that's not the end of my assignment. My goal is Christ, to become like him in every single way. 
the more I do that, the better it becomes. The less I do that, the, do you understand that? I just, we just slack. It happens to all of us. You just slack. So this is the goal. The goal is I've got to become. I have to grow and attain the whole measure. Imagine if all of us here start acting in 25% capacity of Christ himself. The world would be a better place. The world would be a better place. The world would be a better place. All right? So it means we can start by making the church a better place. You know there are fights that go on in church? A lot of politics can happen in church. A lot of, I'm not talking to him. You should not talk to me. You should not park his car near my car. Those things happen in the church. And it's the church of Jesus Christ. It's the church of Jesus Christ. We hurt ourselves. We do business deal in the name of church. Should we go legal? No, we're brothers in Christ. Then when it's time for me to return your money, I run away. And then there's no legal documents. And then you can't catch me. And then we have to now start telling the pastor, he took my money, pastor. I didn't know when you people started doing your deals together. And it gets messy. Horrible stuff. And it's church. But let's, 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 let's change the game. Let's change. But then there's a crowd. Don't forget, we said there's a crowd. Can we do one of the circles? All right. I'm, I mean, we're, we're in good time. Almost done. So there, there's this. We have the community. Community, in our case, will be London, Ontario, or Ontario as a whole. We have the community. Then we have this crowd. This crowd, it's the church gathering, the people following Jesus. It's always a crowd. And the crowd, I might read a verse there, you know. Uh, I mean, but you have a number. One that comes to mind right now, Luke chapter 5. There was a multitude of people following him. The crowd. And he got to a house, and the crowd was there. You remember the story, and then they had to open the roof to bring that man to get healed. The place was packed out, but everybody wasn't there trying to get blessed. Because when he said, <laughs> what he said to the man, the Pharisees started speaking. That means the Pharisees were sometimes also in the crowd, trying to hear the latest thing he said. The crowd, but there, there are people, there are people that will come to church, they'll be in the crowd, some will be hurting. And sometimes church people, because we are too perfect in our own eyes, we, we can't handle the hurting person. You know, maybe someone comes here now, um, what, you know, and wears shorts, very short shorts and t-shirt and sits down and then you find three people looking at the person like. The person won't come to church again. But I thought this is where they should get healed, right? And get helped. And. And we might be wrong. Who necessarily said the person in short needs help? Who said? It might be the religious people looking at the person that need help. That happened in the ministry of Jesus Christ. It's people that will keep doing, hmm. Hmm. And Jesus says, you. You remember the prayer? There was a Pharisee praying and then there was a publican praying. And the, the Pharisee kept on going, I pay my tithes, I do all of that. I'm not like that guy. And Jesus said, no, that's, that's not prayer. That's you judging. That's you judging. So after service, you're trying to hug someone and greet the person or just shake the person and then smell tobacco, weed. He's in the crowd. You love him. All you now do is take the person from the crowd and bring the person to the next circle and help them. 
you know what, well, you know what um, the wrong groups try to do? They make you feel we like you the way you are. Join us. In fact, when you come around us, we'll make you feel important. And then people join them. But the church already goes, hmm, hmm. Then they run away from us. But we have the power to transform them. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation to anybody that believes. So there's a community, but then there's a crowd. The crowd is a mixed multitude, but it's a crowd. They'll say, this is my church. It's a crowd. It's okay. Then we have congregation. So crowd might not be regular. They might be, they're good people. Some might just love the church, but they have another church. So whenever they can, different reasons for pulling the crowd. Congregation, they're now members. This is my church. All right. So after congregation, then we have committed. I'm going from it's my church to I'm going deeper. And then from there, core commission is those you send out ministry. Second circle. Let's see how I could do it. Yeah. So the community, the lower one, the unchurched, everybody, everybody. So crowd, your regular attenders. Like I said, they might be committed elsewhere. They just have the time. They might work um, every other week, so when they can, but it's crowd. And some members are like that too. You just know, um, this is my church. I'm at this times of the week, so I can't, you know. But my point is, there's, there's a going deeper. There's a going deeper. And my assignment in the city as a church, our assignment is to go deeper and to take people deeper, take people deeper with us. Let's, let's end with maybe one or two verses. First Peter chapter, first Peter chapter two. First Peter chapter two. Therefore, um, Okay, it's verse 2 I'm going anyway. All right. But therefore, read yourselves of all malice and deceit, hypocrisy, envy, slander of any kind. Verse 2. Like newborn babies, what's he saying? Crave pure spiritual milk so that what? So that it, so that by it, rather, you may what? Grow up in your salvation. And then last one, Hebrews chapter 5 and then verse 12. Hebrews 5.12. We'll end on that. Hebrews 5.12. Hebrews 5.12 is kind of like a challenge. It's challenging people to grow. Because you could be born again five years and still be a baby. You could be born again 15 years and still be a baby. Physical age is not the same as spiritual age. You might even be older than someone. All right? Maybe you, you're in your, what, 30s or 40s and then someone is a teenager and then you feel, oh, I'm older than the person. What, you know, no, we, we missed the point. Spiritual age is not the same as physical age. Physical age is not the same as spiritual age. So Paul is, I mean, saying here, in fact, though by this time you ought to be what? Teachers. You need someone to what? Teach you the elementary truth of God's word all over again. You need milk and not solid food. All right, next verse, please. Anyone who lives on milk being still an infant is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness or the meatier stuff. But solid food is for those that are what? Much more. Who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. So I'm ending by saying it's time to grow. All right. Now, like I said, I've, I've, I said a bit of this last month. So I, I want to dedicate every first Sunday to challenging us on discipleship as a church. 
All right, because the whole essence of church, um, I'll say it that way. The crowd is coming. The crowd is coming. After a while, this hall will be small. The crowd is coming. After all, this hall will be small. But one thing I've learned, if we start teaching and training the direction at this early stage, when more people walk in, they will understand what we stand for, who we are, and everything. There'll be some services when it's time for service to start, maybe 9 a.m., and I'm the one standing here for the next 15 minutes when the service starts. Why? Because I may now want to teach you how to pray and how to worship. A few times I've come up here and I've had to say, let's lift up our hands. Let's, you know, so I might need to share that. And that will be the worship session. All right? Because at the end of the day, discipleship means training. Training. All right? So, a few announcements. Um, I would like, um, I would like the privilege to, I'll call it privilege. Bible says, I'll give you pastors after my heart. All right? I'd like the privilege to have all of us go on a journey together, as many as are available for that. Um, it's a journey on growth. It's who we are. But everybody at everybody's pace, okay? So, but even among disciples, like I said, there's, there's also the 500 that saw him on his ascension, but there's 70. So we, we grow. We grow deeper. But I would like that we, we get on this journey together. So there's what we'll do generally as a church together, but then there's what we'll do at the deeper levels. Um, next Sunday... I'm going to give everybody a book. Okay? Everybody. So even husband, wife, we're going to get a book. Um, so if this is your church, all right, um, next Sunday. So even if you're not around next Sunday, around the upper Sunday, the book will be waiting for you, if, as long as it's your church. And that's a book we're all going to read for the month of May. So it's titled Growing Up Spiritually. by Kenneth e. again. So it will be your copy, your book. So we're not giving a book to a household. No. is any human being that can read in that house. <laughs> That's old enough to read. We're going to give you a copy of the book next Sunday. So it means that there are Sunday services where I'm going to say, open page, open page 45. Let's discuss. It's training. It's church. All right? Those that were here last month, I'd said a bit. All right? I'm going to teach you on how to pray, how to lead prayer, how to, you know, and when I say lead prayer, it doesn't necessarily mean pulpit. So that at the end of the day, we're all growing together. Because this is it. Um, one day, guys, one day, I would love that. We're going to leave this whole earth, right? One day, we're going to leave this place. I'd love that when we see Jesus face to face, we'll tell him we did it. All right, so I need to fulfill my calling by also helping you to fulfill your own calling. That's, that's what we need to do, all right? You know, so just that's, that's, that's the point. Hope, hope this is, oh, is this clear? Is this is easy, right? I, I want to fulfill my calling because my calling is helping you fulfill your calling. All right, so from next Sunday, we're just, all right. So I'm going to get a book for everybody. We'll get as many copies as we can. And then we're going to hand it over and then say, okay, let's read. Let's grow together. Let's read. So for June, again, I'll give us a book we're going to read. It means at the end of the year, you have a nice library. Nice library. You're not paying for the book. Don't worry. It's covered by our givings. (laughs) All right. But it's an investment. 
Because one day, when your library is getting more and more developed, you easily disciple somebody else and say, take this book, it will bless you. Then you ask the person, did you read the book? Did you understand it? Did it bless you? Let's discuss the book. That's where I'm taking this to. We're going to train people. All right. David is one of my greatest characters in the whole Bible. David heard God's voice when he was 17. I got born again about 17, so nobody's too young. But it's amazing. David died at what age? 70? Abraham began his own calling at what age? 75. So the age someone ended, another person had not started. That means nobody's too young. Nobody is too old. Is that okay? Did, did we all get that? All right, so please, the book will be here. All right, just, um, I'll say, hey, take your copy, put your name on it. Okay, I'm going to have your name today. You have a copy. You're not returning the copy. Underline it, asterisk it, but we're going to come and say, okay, this is the page. And trust me on this one. For you to be here this morning, I trust you. Trust me to a little level, but trust me on this one. By the time we're all done reading that book, you will see a major change in your life. You'll see it. You'll see it.